Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are So first thing, we have a, a full house, and we have a lot going on. We have a photo booth. We have stuff that you can snack on when you leave. Um, and I know we have a lot of kids and stuff like that. I want you just to relax. You're at, pretend like you're at home. You're in the living room. And don't feel at edge. Don't feel stressed out. If your child or someone cries, we're okay with it. We're a family. Let's just have a good time in his word. Amen? So just relax, kick back, and let's receive from the Lord. Amen? If you're taking notes, go ahead and um, write this down. We're going we're gonna to get into something here, and, and I, I, I truly believe it's the heart of the Lord for us, and you'll see what I mean. But uh, I think that church, and I say this all the time, is the greatest place to take notes and, and to, as, as, as the Word of God is being taught, that you could kind of see what it is that God is showing you and, and write sub-notes and, and study it throughout the week. Uh, but it's been a, a, a fun year, an interesting year, and a year of, uh, of high encouragement for our church because we truly believe that God is doing something at our nest. And we're stepping into it um, throughout this year in 2022, and, and we just want to be faithful with what God is instructing us in. And it's been, every week has been something special, especially like the words and the messages that have come forward. Um, I, I truly feel they've been a gift from heaven to us. And I just want to sit on that, and, 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 and as I've, I'm explaining this to you, I don't take today's word lightly. I know it's Easter. I know we have a lot of plans, and I know that today it gets all, all crazy for a lot of people. But I don't take this lightly at all. I truly feel that this is the word of the Lord for this house today. Amen? Amen. I, I, I truly believe that. Last week as we gathered, uh, we spoke about Palm Sunday for those that are of the house and we're here. And... As we spoke on Palm Sunday, we recognized that that was the moment when Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem for the very last time. That's what Palm Sunday was. And throughout the week, known as Holy Week, so many things took place in just that week in the life of Jesus. Uh, many good things took place. There were also painful things, things that were unfair I mean, if you studied just the last week of Jesus, you'll see that so much happened within that last week. Good, bad, ugly. I mean, it was all of the above. It was, it was a, a, a week full of emotions, a week full of joy, and then a week full of pain. But I truly, as I read scripture and study, I truly believe that all of it was needed. All those things were needed. There were needed things. Whether it was good, whether it was bad, whether it was ugly or unfair, all of it was needed. Things that just needed to happen. And I am sure in a room like this today, with a group like this, that we are familiar with a situation that may have been close to us or maybe it's close to us now that wasn't easy to endure. You've ever had something happen to you and it just it hasn't been easy. You say that maybe to a family member, to a friend, this ain't easy or it hasn't been easy. I've just been going through a difficult time. I mean, as a world, we've been there, right? As a people, we've been there. Like, this hasn't been easy. It's been some difficult moments that we've been going through. But maybe something personal in your own life that you, you've had to endure 
But when it's done with, you recognize that it needed to happen. Has something happened to you? You don't understand it at that moment. But when it's over, you, you, you understand, oh, okay, I see what God was doing. Sometimes that's how it is. God is doing something and it needed to happen. And as, a, as we get into this, I, I understand that maybe you carry the unfortunate as well. The, the things that have occurred, but yet you still question and you still say, well, why did this happen? And maybe you're there today. Why did this happen? Or maybe you're asking, why is this happening to me? And you, you, you don't have the final picture and you don't have all the answers. So as a church, we may stand right next to you and admit as well that we don't have the answers. We may not have the answers. I know as a pastor, many times things are presented to me and I don't have the answers and I may not have the answers. And also there are times that you've prayed, you've prayed for this thing so much. You've ever had that one thing that you've cried out to God for? You've prayed so much to God. God, do something and it seems that he as well is not giving you the answers. I wonder if I have anyone here that could be very honest with me and say, there's been times where I've prayed to the Lord and I've just felt like he's not hearing my prayers. I wonder, you know, it's the reality of all of us. We're all there, but, but there's this one thing that I am sure of that I could give you an answer to. The one thing that I am sure of it's what God tells us through his word. And it's found in Psalm 34, verse 18. And it's this, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And that I could testify, because I've been there. And I'm sure that you have too. And I want everyone to know this, please, that the Lord is nearer than you may believe. He is close to you today. Maybe you're here today and you came because a baby got dedicated. You came because someone invited you. You came because it was Easter. Thank you for coming. We honor that and we welcome you here at our nest. But as you're here now and we have you for a little bit, you can't leave. No, I'm just saying. But what we want to make sure that you know is, is that he's here. He's present. He's aware. He's close to your heart. He knows your thoughts. He, he, he's, he's felt your tears. He's here. He's present with you. Amen? So I want to get into uh, John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, open up to John 4. If you're taking notes, write down John 4. You can write down Resurrection Sunday. You can write down Easter so you don't forget what this message and on what day it was given. John chapter 4. I've been in thought about today, and I wanted to make sure, as I said earlier, that I share the word, yes, absolutely. I, I, obviously, I came knowing I want to share the word. But I wanted to be confident that I spoke what I believe to be the Lord's heart for this house. And I was taken to John chapter 4, and I would like to, to share some things that I saw. And I pray that today you would hear and that you would see God's heart for you. Turn with me to John 4 and verse 1. We're going to start off in verse 1. Let's just read through this, and then I'll pause and keep going. We won't take too much time. I think we're going to learn something here today. It says in verse 1, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. John not being the author of this, John being John 
the Baptist. Verse 2, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. He, they baptized them. So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. And I, I want you all to look at verse 4. If you have your Bible open, maybe highlight it, circle it. But verse 4 to me is very important and it struck me. Verse 4 it says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. I want to pause there for a moment. And I want you to see this introduction in John chapter 4. Jesus' name is, Jesus' life, his ministry, his person here on earth, his followers. He's become very popular. The crowds are large to see what he can do, what he does, and what he says. And then there were people that were coming to him and then his very disciples were baptizing people and many people were leaving John the Baptist and following Jesus. And John the Baptist was like, good, he's the one that I was speaking of. He was actually encouraging his followers to follow Jesus. But as he's leaving, because there's going to come some persecution, there's going to come some problems because they're hearing of his fame. They're hearing that he's blowing up and to the Pharisees, this was a problem. To the Pharisees, we have to do away with him. We can't allow him to continue to take people away from us. Jesus, knowing this, he knows it's time to leave from this region. And his aim, or at least verse 3 tells us, is to go to Judea. Uh, it's to return to Galilee. And he leaves the area of Judea to go to the Galilean area. But as he's going to Galilee to leave and away from the, the crowds in this area, from the religious leaders, verse 4 to me is so important because it says he had to go through Samaria. So I thought about this and I said, well, did he really have to go? I mean, we're talking about Jesus, yes? We're talking about, I mean, have you ever read the story maybe? You're here and you're not as familiar with the stories of Jesus. We're talking about a man that is able to walk on water. A man who is able to heal all kinds of sick and cast out demons. And here is Jesus. But in verse 4 it says, he had to go. I think about that. I'm like, why did he have to go through Samaria? Why Samaria? Why does he... Could he not have gone a different route? Jesus. He's Jesus anyways. Could he have made it to Galilee through some other way? He's Jesus. Really, he had to go. Another translation will say he needed to go. So, so at this point, I would like to just, just ask you this question so you can start to think about it. Maybe you could write some answers down on your notepad or on your phone or whatever you do. But what are your thoughts on that? I like to pause when we read scripture at times because I want you to process stuff. I want you to think about it. Jesus' name is growing. Jesus has to leave. Jesus has to go to Galilee. But as he goes to Galilee, he has to. He needs to go through Samaria. And I say, well, why? And I want to ask you, what are your thoughts? Because I think about this and I say, well, what? That was the path. That the GPS gave him? Because I know for me, when that GPS says, make a right here, as much as I know there's another route, it's hard for me. I go where the GPS, and I try to fight it, but I, I just I have to listen to her. 
How many of you struggle with that condition? All right, good. And then there's times where she takes me the wrong way or I go to a dead end or I go to where there's more traffic and I get upset at her. You lied to me. I should have gone with my instinct. I should have gone left. I should have kept going straight. But she told me to turn right. So I had to go. I don't know. If, okay, that wasn't Jesus' problem. He didn't have to go. His GPS wasn't taking him. Was that the only road that led to Galilee? I mean, couldn't he have chosen a different route? So I, I, I want to build this up, and I want to say this to you. This may sound weird. This may sound weird. But give me a moment to say it, and then give me a little bit longer to explain it. Because maybe it wasn't the road problem that that was the only road. Maybe that wasn't the problem. Maybe it wasn't the GPS problem, obviously. How about Jesus had to, Jesus needed to go that route because he had reservations. And nothing was going to ruin the reservation that he made. Jesus had a timetable, and he said, well, you guys know what I'm talking about. Let, let me just talk to you for a moment, because you've wanted to eat at that spot, and you made reservations to eat, and everything about you will do whatever you can for that food to get to that place where you made reservations. I remember one time, I forgot how old I was, they planned a, a surprise party for me in my earlier years, and, 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 and my family did a surprise party for me, but I didn't know. And the whole time I thought I was going to go to my favorite restaurant. And I was so excited. The whole day I was pumped because I'm going to go to my, to my favorite restaurant. I get to my friend's house. And when I get in there, the door opens because we were going to go pick him up so that he could come with us. And when the door opens, everyone goes, surprise! And me being me, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, there's no restaurant. The, the, the party was... A surprise for me, but in my mind, I'm like, wait, 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 let's all go. Let's all go to the restaurant that we made reservations for. I thought the whole time that that's where we were going to go. I mean, that, that, I mean, I was grateful. I was happy, but man, I, 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 you know that the whole day I was thinking about that restaurant. I was like, God, right now I'll be eating. <laughs> Any foodies? Yeah. But how about Jesus just had reservations? He had reservations. How about it's, it's just he had this moment that was saved, a reservation to dine. And we've been there and you've been there. See, Jesus, going through Samaria, I want to pause and teach this for a moment because Samaria was not a very popular place for Jesus to go. It does not make sense that when we read this, that Jesus had to go, had to go, that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. It doesn't make sense. Not a good idea. Jesus, the wisest man, the smartest man, the man that knows the words before they ever come out of your mouth, but yet he decides to go to a ruthless area in Samaria, a place where Jews, Jesus being a Jew, and Samaritans are longtime rivals. Why would he go this way? They despised each other for so many years. The Jews and the Samaritans, they treated each other with such indifference. And Jesus had to go. Jesus needed to go there. Jesus is putting himself and forget himself. Listen, guys, 
he's also putting the disciples at risk of danger. Why would you take these young men with you to Samaria? You know very well they don't like them. They might throw rocks at them. They might charge them. They might spit on them. Who knows? Why would you take them that route? It's not, it's not good. They would be the minority in a place where there is tension between these groups, both these groups of Jews and Samaritans. But hey, you'll do anything to eat. You'll do anything when there's reservations made. And, and, and Jesus' main, the mindset here is in verse 4, he had to go this route. Let's keep reading and see what takes place here. Many of you may know the story already. For some of you that don't, please follow with me. Verse 5, it says, eventually, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Verse 6, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk. Do you guys know what this represents in today's day? Jesus, tired from his road trip. He's exhausted. He's tired. He's walking the majority of it where we get in cars and stuff. He's walking it. And he's just at a place of weariness. He's tired. And it says here, he sat wearily beside the well, and it was about noontime. Everyone say soon. Yeah. Jesus gets there, he sits down by the well, and then soon, <laughs> soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus says to her, please, he's so kind, please give me a drink. It says in verse 8 that he was alone at this time because... At the time, his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. How is Jesus? He is hungry. He is thirsty. He is tired. I got somebody listening today. Amen. I'm coming. I'm going to start preaching over here now. <laughs> he's going to help me preach. But he's all these things. You've been hungry. You've been tired? How'd it go for you? Yeah, get away from you. I, I'm, get away from me. Okay. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's tired. He sits by the well. The disciples go get food. And a woman soon starts to walk up to him to the well to draw water from the well. And Jesus' words is, please give me a drink. I believe the statement, please give me a drink, was more than just a drink. I know he was hungry too because why did the disciples go get food? It says that they went and as we review this, I would encourage you or join me in reviewing this as one does a movie. For example, let's review this in three different ways. There's a setup. Everyone say setup. Right? There's a number two, a confrontation. Say confrontation. And then there's a resolution. You look at those three things, and in every movie, there is a setup, there is a confrontation, and then there is a resolution. Jesus is going to encounter this woman here, and there's a setup, there's a confrontation, and then we're going to see the resolution. Number one, the setup. Everyone say setup. All right, here it is. Jesus is on this journey. 
he sits by the well near the Samaritan village. You see the setup happening? You see how it's just building? And soon after, as he's exhausted, a Samaritan woman shows up. You can see it clearly in the text. There's a setup. And right when this happens, how many of you read the Bible like this? I picture Jesus doing this, right? Like he's sitting by the well, and I picture Jesus, the, the, the woman starts walking, and this is what I see Jesus doing. Just a nod. Maybe he did his mom. Maybe he did a little smirk. But I believe he nodded and he said, just, just as I timed it. Just as I thought it ought to be. Just as I thought all of this. I, and what, what's next in his mind? My, my reservation is set. My reservation is set. And as he's sitting by the well and the woman comes up to him and he looks at her. And in his heart, my reservation is here. It's time to dine. It's time to eat. It's time to drink. And the first words that come from Jesus' mouth to the woman is a question of, please give me a drink. Would you do this? Give me a drink. You're probably like, when are you going to start talking about Jesus on the cross? And then he resurrects on the third day, right? You see, I know, we'll get there. Please give me a drink. What a setup. How do you think the woman feels? She's probably tired, frustrated, scared. He's a Jew. All right, let's look at the confrontation. Number two, confrontation. Ready? The woman was surprised. Verse 9, it says, For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans, she told Jesus. And you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus says to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket. And she said, she said this to him, and this well is very deep. Where will you get living water? Come on, guys. Here is the confrontation. And it's going to continue. Verse 13, Jesus replies, ready? Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh bubbling spring within me, giving them eternal life. Verse 15. Jesus says all this to her. Look what she says now. Please, sir, give me a drink. Please, sir, give me this water that you speak of. Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. Come on. Read between the lines. What is she really telling him? I'm tired of walking here. I'm tired of coming with my buckets and my waters and walking miles back to my village. I'm weary. I'm, I'm in pain. My feet are hurt. I have to do this every single day. I'm tired. If you give me water that never ends... It's a moneymaker. I never have to come back here. I don't have to suffer anymore. How many of you would like to stop suffering? Oh, sorry. I thought we were talking. Oh, you guys, okay. You guys got it off. But how many of you want everything to go your way? Everything just to be right? You mean to tell me that you have waters? I, I want you to see the confrontation. 
The woman and Jesus, first off, should have no dealings or conversation with each other. That's just to begin with. Because one's a Jew, one's a Samaritan. And Jesus is asking of the woman, so important. He's asking of the woman what the woman was burdened to draw out and carry every day of her life. Maybe you didn't catch that. Maybe I should get personal with you. What's a burden that you have in your life every single day? What's heavy on your chest every single day? Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's the job that you have to go to in tomorrow. Maybe it's the sickness you have. Maybe it's the children that's disobedient. Maybe it's the finances that, I don't know what your story is. But what do you carry every day? What's the burden in your life? I'll tell you what it is in this woman's life. I'm tired of coming over here. I'm weary. There's so much going on. And Jesus is asking of the woman what the woman was burdened to draw out and carry every day. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday. Welcome to Easter Sunday. I'm so glad that someone invited you. I'm so glad that you got dressed and came. Because I am sure we won't do it because we're Christians, right? But if we could put money on it, I am sure that we are all familiar with having burdens in our lives. And here we are today, you're like, oh, I thought this resurrection was going to be different. And the woman looks at Jesus in this scripture and says, please, you're asking me, please give you a drink? <laughs> if you only knew the burden that I carry in that which I come here for, to draw out, to then bear its load back to my village, to sustain us for another day, and this, everyone say this, and this, this is what you want me to serve to you? You want me to serve you that which is most burdensome in my life? And Jesus looks at her, if you're reading correctly through the scripture here, and he says, I do know the load you carry. I do know the weight that you carry. I do know the pain that you feel every day. And you could almost hear Jesus saying something like this. Why do you think I made this reservation today? Why do you think I made this appointment with you today? This reservation is set. And it's set for a purpose. I promise you, church, listen. I promise you, you're going to see it in about five minutes what it is. Come with me, ready? Verse 13, Jesus replies. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty. Will soon, let's, change, let's, um, let's use a word there that we could, as we're talking about this. Will soon become burdened again. Will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. Basically, he said, I will release the constant nagging burden in your life. And what happens to the water? It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them and it gives them eternal life 
I will give you new life, eternal life. I will give you what only I can give you. I will give you resurrection is what he's telling her. And what he's saying is, welcome to the reservation. Because this moment, just me and you alone in this well, when my boys went to get food, and I'm sitting here at a time where I'm weary, and I came walking from a long way to sit at this well, to soon see you coming over here to then draw water, to then ask you, give me some water. All of this is to tell you in your face, welcome to reservation, resurrection. And that's what he's doing. And that's what he's saying. I made this reservation so that you can encounter resurrection her reply was please sir give us or give me right this water and i'll never be thirsty again and then guess what happens as all this is happening the disciples come back and as the disciples come back they're in shock (gasps) why is jesus speaking to her why is she speaking to jesus this woman is an enemy it says in verse 27 jesus the disciples come back and they were shocked To find Jesus talking to this woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. What are you doing? What do you want with her? Or what are you talking to her about? Verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well. And ran back to the village to tell everyone what Jesus had told her. Meanwhile, verse 31. Let's go there. The disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, with the food in their hands, eat something, eat something. Verse 32, Jesus replies back to them, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Can you imagine that? You just told us to go to the village and get you food. And now you're telling us that you don't want food? Do you know what we went through to get you this food? Eat, Rabbi, eat. And he says to them, I have a food that you know nothing about. Look what their thoughts are. Verse 33. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? What's the answer? What's the answer? Did someone bring him food? Hmm. The disciples began to ask, did he eat? Did you see him eat? Did he bring food? Is there leftovers? Do you see a bag anywhere? Who brought him food? If you said no, thank you for being honest. I think I just saw Jesus dine. I think we saw him just eat. I think the answer is yes, and you might have missed it. Listen, the woman that you were all confused about, this woman whom you didn't have the nerve to even ask about, well, I received what I already came for. I dined with her. I took her heaviness. I took away her burden I gave myself to her because she gave herself, her all to me. And Jesus looks at his disciples as they come back with food. He's like, I'm full. I'm done. I already ate. I'm full. I don't need it. And his next reply is, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Then in verse 34, Jesus explains, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. I've already been nourished. I already ate. I've already dined. I already came for what I came. I already received what I came for, better said. So what's the resolution? I'm going to wrap this whole story up right now. And, we're out, and, and I'm out of your way. Here it is. 
Let's get a broader view of the, res of the resolution here. Verse 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and, and from finishing his work. That's, that's where I become alive. So here is the question, and here's where I'm going to start wrapping this up. I asked you if Jesus had already ate. Many of us said no, and I gave you the answer he did. Here's another question for you. Did she ever give Jesus anything to drink? Remember the beginning question? Please give me something to drink. What's the answer? Did you ever see her give him a cup? Did she give Jesus something to drink? Maybe you're like, well, spiritually, maybe, yeah. How about physically? Did, did she give him something to drink? Verse 28. Let's put it on the screen. Just in case I read it too fast earlier. Read it one more time. The woman left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village and she told everyone what Jesus had just said and done. <laughs> the worst thing that this woman could do is that in the physical. Maybe your kids need water. Your village needs water. Your neighbors were waiting for you to get there. You know how long it takes her to go and get that water, the pressure to take that back? But the encounter that she just had, she decides to take that water jug and leaves it in the place where Jesus was. The Bible says this. Scripture says this. She left the whole jar. Everyone say whole jar. She left the whole jar for him. She left the woman the whole jar. In this text, what does this represent for the woman? The jar represents that she left her burden there with Jesus. She resurrected from a lost, burdened, sinful place. Her issue was relationship problems as well. Because Jesus says, go get your husband. If you've read the story, she's like, I don't have a husband. She's like, yeah, and the one that you're with right now is not your husband. What he's telling her is, is you've been around. And none of these men are your husband. There's issues going on internally with you, and you're carrying all of this weight. And as he begins to speak life into her, she comes to meet Jesus. She leaves the water there, and she runs back, and she runs back a different person. She runs back an evangelist. She runs back to transform her town. In verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from the village believed believed in Jesus because the woman had said everything that he had done. <sighs> think, I want you to think about this for a moment. The woman went with a burden off to get water again, to have a conversation with Jesus, to leave that which she came for, to leave it there with Jesus, to run back and to give everyone what she just received what she just got poured into. I, I think about this and I say, my goodness, talk about a reservation to resurrect. So as I wrap this, I say this, ready? Number, number one, two, and three, the setup, the confrontation, the resolution. So what's the setup today? Here's the setup. And I need you to listen to me as I close this up. You came to church. You came to this gathering because maybe it's Easter because you're here, whatever, whatever the reason it is. You came because a child was dedicated. You came because they invited you. You came because you fill in the blank. And maybe you came with a burden or you came with sin. You came with heaviness. And you carry it every day of your life, this weight and this heaviness. Here's the setup. 
The setup is he set you up. He set you up. He just asked you, please give me a drink. Give to me what I long to carry for you so that I can give you what I long for you to carry for me. And that's what he's telling us. The woman leaves the water, but she leaves with Jesus. I'm wondering if you could leave your, not your jar, but leave the whole jar. Leave the whole burden. Leave the whole lifestyle. Leave everything here and say, I'm going to run and tell the world what Jesus has done. He set you up. It's resurrection power. Leave your burden to me. Leave what wearies you to me. Because today he tells you, I made this reservation just for you today. So that you, in your life personally, could have resurrection. So number two, what's the confrontation like today? What does it look like? Well, number two, here it is. Surrender to him. Talk to him today. If you're going to pray, start praying right now. Pray now. And say yes, verse 15, please, Lord, give me this water so then I can never thirst again. And that, the last thing, what's the resolution for you? The resolution for you, I'm going to read two passages in Scripture. Ready? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. You had the setup. You came to a place and Jesus met you. You had the confrontation. You're feeling all kinds of things maybe and the Lord tells you, give it to me today so that I could give you myself. I could give myself to you and then now what's the resolution look like? Here it is. Romans chapter 6 verses 5 and on. Listen to these words. Paul writes, since we have been united with him in his death, resurrection is coming. Watch this. He will also be raised to life as he was we will be raised to life. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Jesus so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. How many of you can say amen? We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. That's resurrection. This is what today is all about. Death no longer has any power over Christ. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So that you also, everyone say me also, me, should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So do not let sin control the way you live. Woman, do not let that lifestyle control the way you live anymore. Drop the whole jug. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Look what he says, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. There is resurrection in us.
He's, he set me up. He confronted me. And the resolution is sin and death and the heaviness of this life no longer has a hold on me. I now become alive in Jesus. And that's what Romans teaches. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes about the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the dead, the resurrected body. Look what he says. He says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. And this is what it will say. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You can't win. You can't win. You can't win. We win. Even if we die, the Bible says we live forever. Man, whatever happens to me on this earth, when I blink and I enter into the new kingdom, I resurrect in power and I reign with Jesus forever. Verse 56, for sin is the sting that results in death. The law gives sin its power, but thank God, everyone say thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That's who we are. We are the church. We are the people that Christ is resurrecting so that we can live in power forevermore. In Christ's power. Amen. Reservation. Reservation. Resurrection. That I can resurrect from my sinful place, from my heavy place, from my lost place. And today I could be healed and I could be full again, complete again. I leave the whole jar at the feet of Jesus so that I could go back to the family, to the town where I'm from, and tell everyone the good news that I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I once was lost. But now I'm found. He knows me by name. I ran into Jesus. And my life has been transformed forever. I've come to the place of resurrection. With every eye closed. If you're here today. And maybe you need this resurrection. You need to say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm like that woman that comes to the well burdened. I come with heaviness. I come with pain. I come with shortcomings. And every day this water jug represents what I don't want to carry anymore. It's a headache. It's so, it's such a burden to me. And today the Lord meets you here. And today he says, give it to me. Because this is how I want to serve you. I want to take what you have so that you can take what I have. Give me what burdens you, and I'll give you what makes me alive. Jesus on the cross takes your burden and your sin, and he resurrects so that you can come to him, and then you can also resurrect from those things. So if you're here and you're saying, I need Jesus, I need to give him that water jar. I need to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, heal me.
Lord, restore me. Lord, I know that you made a reservation just for me. Now, Lord, resurrect me so that I can live with you forever. If that's you, with every eye closed, no one's looking. If that's you, can you just make that confession to the Lord? If you want to just stretch out your hands with me, stretch them up with me and just say, that's me, I'm that woman. I, I know what that woman feels like. I know what it's like to have a burden in my life. I know what it is to carry stuff. I see your hands. If there's anyone else, just raise your hand before the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. And right there where you're at, can you just start to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, wash me. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, today I receive you and I accept you just like the Samaritan woman received you at the well. I received you right here in this church. And I ask you to, to all my burdens, take it all, all the way and fill me with all of you. Fill me with your grace and with your goodness. Make me holy. Make me righteous that I will live with you from this day forward to the day I die to please you and honor you that I will give you all the glory. Lord, I accept you. If you have your hand raised or if you're praying that, just say that. Lord, I receive you. I receive you, Lord. I confess of my sins. Make me new. I want new life. I want resurrection on this day. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus Christ. And together we say, Amen. Come on, give God some praise.